Welcome back to the Community Connection. It is February 23rd, and it is sunny and warm outside. I love how you had to check the calendar right as you were saying that. What, well, what, what I just want to make sure date? I got the date right. <laughs> These Be- days are kind of all streaming together. It's tough to keep track of the days of the week. I feel like this time of year, every week feels exactly like the previous week. There's not a lot to break up the schedule. Well, there is there's something to break up the schedule today. We're having a podcast. And we have a special guest who's also been known as the Abominable Snowman. Because By he who? comes from the plains of Siberia, is where he hails from. Nico Toms is here. Hello. Nico, Hello, where, where are you from? I'm from Florida. So oh, from Florida. <laughs> not at all true. I always get that confused because you love the cold weather so much. Absolutely. Yeah. Florida is God's country. <laughs> Amen. Amen. The Lord loves Florida. He does. You know, very rarely do we have a special guest on the podcast. It's actually going to become more often, believe mm. it or not. We're hoping so. If this yeah. goes well. And if this goes well, if, if not, we're just going to kick everyone off and let Ben take it on his own. I'm running out of reasons to make fun of you. <laughs> Who am I kidding? <laughs> That's not true. No. So today we have been working through the last several podcasts on how to evangelize uh, the people around you. So we've talked about um, evangelizing Mormons. We've talked about evangelizing uh, quote unquote good people, even though there is no one who's good, nice people, people who think they're okay. However, God has placed us here in South Bend. I mean, I know that our listener audience is spread all over the nation oh, yeah. and all over the world. <laughs> but just as a reminder that God has placed us here in South Bend, Indiana, which is uh, also affectionately known as the Catholic's Playground. Mm-hmm. because We're not we have, known for much. We're not known for much, but we are known for Notre Dame. Yes, we are. Yep. We, yep. Notre Dame fighting Irish football. And there are significantly more Catholic churches in this little town than in the city that I grew up in growing up. I Oh yeah. Like you'd I knew one Catholic church in like a twenty mile radius of my house. Well let's just put it this way. I went down and visited my parents last year and uh, they live in the South and I was driving around South Carolina and there were little Baptist churches everywhere. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while you'd have a, a Presbyterian church and every once in a while rarely a Methodist church. I don't think I saw one Catholic church. Right. And up here, it'd be the exact opposite. Catholic churches on every corner. Every few blocks, you know, there's another yeah. Catholic church here. I don't know that I could tell you where the closest Presbyterian church is. I could take you to a Serbian Orthodox church. I could take you to a Methodist church. Um, several Baptist churches, evangelical free, but Catholic churches are everywhere. Right. Drive right. by at least two or three, usually on a daily basis. It's a great opportunity uh, for us to have conversations with Catholics, um, but at the same time, uh, it, maybe it's a lack of experience or lack of knowledge, but I, I think talking to Catholics is one of the most challenging groups of people to try and have gospel conversations with. Yeah, I would agree. And that's why we've asked Nico to come on the podcast, and he has very bravely oh, yeah. entered into the belly of the beast. <laughs> and right. um, we're going to we're gonna ask some questions um, about witnessing to Catholics, because Nico goes to Notre Dame. Nico, what year are you? Yeah, I'm a senior, so I've I've been here for a bit. I've had some experience. He's been here for seven years, <laughs> and he's true. just now a senior. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, he's like, where's it going with that? No, you gotta stop lying. <laughs> he's been here for a bit. No, Nico's been here for uh, this is his My fourth year because yes. he's a, he's a senior at Notre Dame, and uh, Nico also heads up a Bible study every week on the Notre Dame campus, and is one of the leaders of our college ministry here at Community. And needless to say, has had a lot of interaction with Catholic theology. Yeah. Over the last four years, um, so let's um, let's talk about Catholic theology for a minute. When we when we were talking about witnessing to Catholics, um, 
I don't want to put you on the spot too much, Nico, and be unfair to you. I don't. I like putting Ben on the spot, oh, making yeah. him flounder a little bit. But when you're interacting with Catholics on campus mm. or off campus, do you find that they normally have a pretty good grasp of Catholic theology, or do most of the Catholics that you are coming in contact with do they kind of know what they've been what they've been told, but don't really have a have a grasp of theology? Where would you? How would you explain that? Yeah, I would say at home, the Catholics that I talk to, like pretty much everyone is pretty nominally Catholic, like don't know much. But at Notre Dame, you have the total range of people mm-hmm. who are totally nominally Catholic. You couldn't, they couldn't probably tell you much about anything about the Catholic catechism or anything. Um, and then you have some, like I had a roommate my sophomore year who was like super, super traditional Catholic, like only go to Latin mass, like he Dedicated. reads the catechism regularly. Um, and so you have a full range of people with all sorts of, knowledge and like commitment to Catholic doctrine. And that's really good to understand because um, if you're only talking to nominal Catholics, Mm -hmm. then you may come up with a question from a devoted Catholic that you've never heard before, they never answered before. So it's good right. to can, uh, good can we recognize. even like just define a few of these terms? Sure. Like, can we talk about the difference? What 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 makes somebody a devoted Catholic versus a nominal Catholic? Like, what would be characteristic? Because I think it'd be different yeah, than even question. what we say, like a, a nominal Protestant, or sure. you know, like a, what we would think of a, as a devoted Protestant or something like that. So what what what's the difference between a devoted Catholic and a nominal Catholic? Yeah, because like nominal Catholic, in, in a sense, could be a good thing if you're saying like somebody who is claims to be Catholic, but they seem to really just read the Bible. Like, they're not very actually Catholic. Right. But yeah. that could be a good thing. I suppose there's also a lot of Notre Dame students are just, yeah, I go to Mass every Sunday, but then I, I've partied the night before and I am party the next night. Like, people who just kind of do the tradition, do the routines, but have no interest in, like, having it influence their personal life, personal walk or mm-hmm. anything. So, uh, so a devoted Catholic would have a lot more interaction with the teachings of the Catholic Church. Yes. Probably maybe not as much interaction with their Bible. Probably not. Probably but interactions not. with the catechisms, um, yes. with teachings of the church. And they tend to be very, like, at least externally trying to really be a rule follower. And, and like, from some senses, like, you look at their conduct and it looks like, oh, they could be a Christian because they live out a lot of things they're talking about. But I think the real question is why they do what they do. Yeah, because Christianity is is not a system of morals. It's right. not moralism. Yeah. Yeah, it's a faith. Ben? It's kind of an interesting thing, like, when we were talking about Catholics, because one of the the shots that they'll level at Protestants is the broad diversity of beliefs in Protestantism. Like you just rattled off all those different denominations, Baptists, Presbyterians, Lutherans, Mm -hmm. Methodists, Anglicans, and all this. And Catholics will look at that and say, see, that's exactly the problem with you people is you like, you don't know what you believe. You're all over the map. Everybody's got a different belief, but we know what we believe. We're a unified group of people. But the reality is, is once you start interacting with Catholics, you start to realize just how big of a spectrum there is in Catholicism, even among people who would claim to be devoted to the church's teachings, Mm -hmm. among its own theologians, are just a breadth of diversity of even contradicting opinions on how theology works and how salvation works, which makes, again, it's it's one of the things that makes it so difficult to talk to Catholicism because there's kind of a, a facade of unity, but you press down below that and you have to treat every Catholic as an individual who has their own beliefs about God, about the sacraments, about the church, and no two Catholics are gonna be exactly alike in how they hold those beliefs. So why don't we do this? Why don't we back up a little bit? Let's first ask the question, okay, if if you're witnessing to someone and they were to say the phrase, oh, I'm Catholic, Mm -hmm. and they throw it out there, like maybe I was baptized in the Catholic church when I was a baby, or maybe my parents were Catholic, and we would consider them to be nominally Catholic, what are some, maybe some considerations in presenting the gospel that would be 
helpful. The gospel stays the same, mm -hmm. but a nominal Catholic person is going to um, see their life as their, and I'm, this may be more of a question to Nico, but, but they, when they see their life as earning merit with God, like the more good things I do, the more merit I have with God, would yeah. that be a consideration? Yeah, for sure. I think the first thing you have to do, and I think this goes beyond Catholics to any sort of evangelism, is just ask, asking them what they believe mm -hmm. rather than hearing that they're Catholic and then assuming you know everything they believe. Because as good. we just said, there's a lot of differences with people. And what are some of the common points that they would maybe have differences on? Like, okay, this is this could very broadly between Catholics, and it's make sure you ask about this specifically. Mm -hmm. Like, what would be some questions that we should ask our Catholic friends? Uh, I would say faith and works. I think the the best question to ask is if you you know if you stood before the Lord, how would you? If he said like, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? Like, mm -hmm. that's a very common question, but I yeah. think that's vital for Catholics because. Some say like, so we can very easily just label all Catholics and say, you believe in salvation by works. And they would, most of the time they would say, no, I don't believe that. Sure. Um, and so it's, you have to ask them, you know, why do you think you can get into heaven? What is your merit based on? Mm -hmm. And if obviously they start at all talking about I, my performance, mm -hmm. then that's where you can kind of come in with the gospel, you know? You know, I, I actually, that was news to me when I moved to South Bend several yeah, years ago, <laughs> is that I always assumed that all Catholic thought, all Catholics thought I was working my way to heaven, but they don't. Mm. And, and that's why I heard the phrase, didn't really stand it, understand it before, but I understand it now. There are some who could be saved in spite of the Catholic Church, right. that in, in reading their Bible, um, they could be resting on faith alone for their salvation in Christ. And so I think it's a great question. What do you, what, what are you, what is your, um, your standing with God? What is it based on? Right. What are some um, aspects of the Catholic Church that you have found to be Common, universal would probably be a, a strong statement, but very common in talking to Catholics. What are some of the concepts that come up, some of the topics that come up, maybe some of the struggles that they would have when we're witnessing to them and speaking mm -hmm. to them about a Protestant uh, understanding or, or the understanding, correct understanding of Scripture of Protestant yeah, viewpoint? I think one thing is they can very much just kind of group all Protestants as like an antinomians, is that the phrase, mm -hmm. of just... We're saved by grace alone, so we don't have to live any differently. We don't have to look any differently. We don't have to work out our salvation at all. Um, and they can really, I think that's a common misconception that Catholics have about Protestant beliefs. And they see, I think they also, the Catholics that I've talked to, they, they look at like the prosperity gospel mega churches with the smoke machines and the light shows and God will make your life better. And they, again, kind of group all Protestants under that. Gotcha. And we do the same thing with Catholics. And that's what yeah. I think, Ben, you were referencing to begin with, is that uh, that's really, really good to know. Um, what, what are some, like when you talk to a Catholic, do you, do you in, in your either building a relationship for witnessing, is that something that you focus on? Is that something that you reference to, to separate yourself from that? Or what are some, how does that drive your conversation? Yeah, I would certainly make that clear also as in addition to asking them what they believe explaining to them what i believe mm -hmm. um you know i remember introducing myself a lot as just a christian i didn't when i first came to notre dame i didn't realize the importance of distinguishing myself as a protestant mm -hmm. and i quickly realized like they would say like oh what denomination and i would say i tend to be baptist but i would just say like i believe the bible and i believe mm -hmm. the bible and what it says and i'm a bible believing christian um, and as far as salvation and works and all of that i just i believe what the bible says and i i a lot of times have to stress the dichotomy of uh, Philippians 2, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it is God who is the one at work within you. Hmm. To make it clear that, y yes, in a sense, I agree with them, that we have to cooperate with God as far as working out our salvation and growing in the faith. Um, but at the center of it all, it is God's work f through and through. 
And so I think that has to be the essential thing is it is God's work fully mm. and we're fully relying on him for salvation. But that does not, you know, Romans 6, that does not give us an excuse to go in and sin so grace may abound. Yeah, awesome. So uh, l- let's talk about a few strategies if we could. Um, so let's let's just say that we've got two different scenarios. We've got a scenario where we're, you know, in God's providence having a conversation with a Catholic and we have a pretty good idea this is going to be a one-off conversation. Mm. What would be some of the things that we ought to go at or go for in this particular conversation. And then let's say, okay, we've got a Catholic roommate or a Catholic neighbor and something we anticipate being able to continue, repeat, develop over the long haul. What would be some strategies and differences between those two kinds of conversations? And I want to hear what you say about that, but then just to put something in your head for a little bit down the road. Are those two separate questions? Two separate questions, but they're two scenarios. They're related. Just conversational strategies, one short-term, one Mm long-term. How do do we approach those two different things differently? And then in a minute, once once we get through that, I want to hear what are some things that Protestants should avoid saying to a Catholic? Uh, What are your top maybe three to five, like don't say this or ask this, but not this, or don't phrase it this way. But we'll we'll come to that in just a second. So talk to us just for a second about uh, strategies in a short-term conversation or relationship versus a long-term. Yeah, for for a short term, and you know, at Notre Dame, there's so many opportunities to have these conversations just because everyone has to take theology. There's everyone, if they see you with a Bible or hear you talk about God, it's not strange to them, so it's easy to bring up. But it's also kind of hard because to them, it might not strike them as like, oh, that's your faith. They might just think that's the subject you're studying in school. And that's really common in Notre Dame. Like we talk about theology, but it's so intellectual. And that's something I really try to avoid is let's just get into this intellectual philosophical debate about Mm. what could be true about scripture, as opposed to like, what is your relationship with the Lord? Do you have a relationship with the Lord? Have you accepted Christ as your savior? And I think in that sense, with the Catholic who you meet very quickly, it's just, have you acknowledged your own sin? And have you, again, where do you go for forgiveness of sin? Do you rely on your own atonement or do you rely on Christ's full atonement? Um, and do you rely on that fully or do you think you have to cooperate? I think that's mm-hmm. the because there's so many those other doctrines. Those are great questions. That's really helpful. That's, that's what I was about to say. Can you say like, that, just the, repeat those questions again, just really briefly. Well, hang on a second. I, I want to give, if people are listening to this, I want to kind of give a framework that what Nico just said is, is bringing a person to the understanding of what their relationship and their relation is to their sin. Yeah. Like I have a problem in that sin and Catholics would agree with that. Like they would see that as a problem. Mm-hmm. And the question is, okay, how was that problem solved? That's yeah. basically what you're asking. Right. And yeah. so those questions that you asked, I don't want to repeat them like verbatim, but those questions that you asked were, where do you go for forgiveness? How do you get rid of your sin? Was that it? Something questions yeah, like how that. Do you, how do you atone for your sin? Or how, how is you, it dealt with? How is your sin dealt with? How, how is it right atoned for? God? How do you get right with God? That's mm-hmm. huge. Awesome. Because yeah. there's okay. so many other doctrines that are important, but mm-hmm. if that isn't acknowledged first, you know, salvation, then nothing else can even be touched. And so with a small interaction like that, some of you meeting one time, like that's the important thing to hammer down. And what are some, before we move on long-term, what are some answers that you can expect to hear from someone who is more than just a nominal Catholic to those mm. answers? Or, or just, just Catholic in general. So how do you atone for your sins? How do you get rid of your, What are some questions you can expect they, to hear, they, or answers you can expect to hear? Yeah, what I hear a lot is, because, again, you don't want to walk in assuming they're just going to be like, oh, it's by works, because then it'd be mm-hmm. so easy to just be like, no, look at Galatians. Like, it's mm-hmm. not by works. You know, it's not uh, it's not that easy, because they would say, like, oh, it is all God, like, because it's all through the grace of Christ on the cross that I'm able to do this. But 
given that, now I have to make things right. Mm. And so, like, yes, I'm fully relying on his grace, but I still have to go and confess my sins to a priest. I still have to do a penance and all of those things. Um, but that's all in cooperation with cr- what Christ did. So I'm still fully relying on him. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're still relying on their own works at the same time. Okay. Your other question, Ben, was long-term relationships. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I had a, so a good, my freshman year, he was in my dorm, a good friend who I got to know really well, who's super traditional Catholic. And then we lived together sophomore year. So I was in his life a lot, um, and learned a lot about what he believed. And he was always really, most Catholics who are serious Catholics, they love to talk about theology. So they're willing to debate and go back and forth on things. Um, and for, for that, I really had to learn not only what he believed as his own person, but also I had to learn Catholic doctrine. Like it is important to learn like what do Catholics believe? Because if you notice that they believe something different from what the catechism says, then you can easily say, well, look, this doesn't align with Catholicism. And apparently if Catholicism is all one unified religion, then you need to agree with every single thing the catechism says. And so that's Mm -hmm. really helpful. And there's a book that I read called Roman Catholic Theology and Practice, uh, an Evangelical Assessment. It's by Greg Allison. It's Mm -hmm. through Crossway. Yeah. That book is so helpful. And even like, I didn't read it cover to cover, but I would just, we'd have an issue that we talk about. And then I go and there's a chapter on that topic. <laughs> that's really awesome. And yeah, that's great. It's a great um, we got, both got copies of yeah, that. Yeah, we both yeah. got copies of I think of that's, books, yeah. there's other books. There's a book I, I haven't read personally called Are We Together by R.C. Yes. Sproul. Yep, yeah, I have that too. A yeah. lot of people talk about that. That's been really helpful. I think that's more of just a, a book talking about the differences. But the Greg Allison book is just very topical going through mm. each thing particularly and then addressing with scripture mm. how to deal with their views. Um, Are you, Would you say that, in those relation, in that long-term relationship, as you are interacting with Catholic viewpoints, mm-hmm. have you found? And this may be a little bit too much for a personal question, but have you found uh, at all in your heart that there was like a little bit of fear, like, "Oh my goodness, I don't know if I can answer this question," and yeah. then found <laughs> it in Scripture? Uh-huh. Is there one? You know, so maybe can you give us an example if you can think of? If you can't mm-hmm. think of one, a specific example, that's fine. But maybe an example. And, and the reason I'm saying this, let me tell you why I'm saying this is that if somebody is listening to this and they've got a Catholic friend and they're like, oh man, I could never do that. Like I could never yeah. interact because I don't know all the answers. Mm-hmm. Maybe give us just a snapshot into how this situation, you've worked through some of those same things in this situation. Yeah. yeah well, just one example. First of all, you, you have to be humble enough to be able to say, I'm sorry, I don't know the answer to that, but let mm-hmm. me look and get back to you. Because it's really easy, and that's when it becomes a, a pride thing, I think, is when it's like, I need to say something now because I need mm. to look like I have all the answers. Mm. Um, and for good. me, like what's been really helpful for my own faith personally is not knowing the answers and then going and searching the scriptures and finding answers. Mm. That's helped me a lot because like, if you're not able to listen to contrary beliefs, like then your own beliefs are not going to grow. you know. Yeah. And so I'm, I was thankful for those experiences to be like, no, I don't just believe these things because, you know, John MacArthur says they're true mm-hmm. or some, some Protestant theologian says it's true, so therefore it is. Like, no, I believe the scripture says this. Mm. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think one of the biggest ones that I had to spend a lot of time on was um, John 6, the Bread of Life discourse, which mm-hmm. you're about to go through, yep. which is going to be really exciting because that's a huge one on um, the Eucharist and earning salvation through this, this sacrament. Mm-hmm. And they're so big on that passage. I actually took a class on the Gospel of John at Notre Dame. And so we literally just went through the whole Gospel of John, and we spent a couple days on John 6, on the bread of life, and just people were just hammering down. Like, he says, you have to eat my body and eat my, mm-hmm. drink my blood, and mm-hmm. that must mean that it's literally his bread. And, mm-hmm. and, he's, and Jesus says, like, this is how you earn salvation. I forget the words, and I don't want to misquote it, but I spent a lot of time in this passage, and... The main thing I was able to get, and Greg Allison's book helped, like he has a whole chapter on this exact topic and really helps you understand, like, how do you um, 
engage with this in a way where you're going to actually see what the Bible is saying and not reading in these Protestant doctrines. Because the reality, the reality is, is Protestants are, or I'm sorry, Catholics are reading in the teaching of the sacraments mm. into these passages. Yep, they're reading. And they can make it say whatever they want. They're reading what sense. the church teaches them yes. into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I can't find the exact. It's passage. at the very end of John six. Yeah, but there's like a specific point that I thought was really helpful. Um, I think one of the one of the comforts that the believer can have as you look up that mm-hmm. uh, is that the answer is in scripture. Yeah. Is that is that there's nothing there's nothing in the Protestant viewpoint that we have to hide from or that we have to say, well, we're leaning on authority outside of the Bible. Rather, um, like as well we might get to this, we may not, but uh, the Roman Catholic viewpoint of the authority of the church outside of Scripture, even to 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 interpret Scripture yeah. for the people, um, and and as Protestants, we would hopefully do our best to let the text speak. Go ahead if you want to. You want to read. Yeah. That. So this is again what Greg Allison helped me understand is reading. You have this is what Catholics can do a lot of. They take small little quotes and say like, look here, it's saying that Jesus says you have to eat my body and drink my blood. And so John 6 verses, um, verse 54 says, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I'll raise him up on the last day. And so like, there you go. If you want to have true eternal life, true salvation, you have to partake in this Eucharistic ritual. But if you look a little earlier in verse 40, he says, for this is the will of my father, that everyone who beholds the son and believes in him will have eternal life and I'll raise him up on the last day. Mm-hmm. And so he just said, if you believe in me, I will raise you up to eternal life. And so then you, if you read the whole passage in full, you understand this metaphor and Jesus spoke in metaphors and parables all the time. Mm-hmm. And Catholics don't really do this to any other parable except for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about how this physical action that he's describing is a representation of a spiritual reality. Yeah. And so this eating his body, drinking his blood, this fully embracing him, you know, that, that is what gives you eternal life. It doesn't mean you physically are eating his body and blood. And so just things like that of helping you have to read the passage in full and understand how did Jesus teach? How did he talk? And you realize whether or not the Catholic, um, Catholic catechism teaches this or not, like that's just not what he's saying in this passage. So thinking about these long-term relationships, uh, it's super helpful to, have good resources you can go to. And by the way, Greg Allison, he wrote that book in part because he spent time here in South Bend at Notre Dame. I think he was heading up the local Campus Crusades chapter. Sounds right. Or I think I think that's what it was. I think it was uh, Campus Crusades. It's I think not it's right. crew now. Pretend like it's right. Right. No. But so he spent time in Italy, but he also spent time in here in South Bend. And this mm-hmm. book is in part from his experiences here at Notre Dame from yeah. that. Um, so, but in these long-term conversations, we want to know what the Catholic Church teaches, or at least where to go find info about the Catechism itself of the Catholic Church as well as what scripture says. Yeah. In terms of the structure of those conversations, do you think like going through a book of the Bible, is there a Bible study book? Like what, what do you think is the best format for trying to have an ongoing conversation with a Catholic? Yeah, because no, no Catholic will tell you that scripture is not authoritative. They'll just say there's also tradition. And right. so I, for me, I think, yeah, let's look at scripture and let's see what it says and let's find the parts of scripture that you cannot make this say something else, mm-hmm. you know? And so I'm trying to consider try to remember like if I went through specific passages with some of my friends um, and we definitely did. We definitely talked a lot about like the idea of predestination and that was a big one for sure about whether or not like we choose God or God chooses us. Because Catholics tend to really emphasize the semi-Pelagian free will, you know, like the prevenient grace. God kind of gives us all a kind of a base level of grace and that lets us do all these spiritual things kind of, you know, just by virtue of who we are. You know, it's kind of part of the catechism, actually. I was Mm -hmm. just looking at it this morning. Mankind, according to the catechism of the Catholic Church, in his fallen state is not 
uh, spiritually dead, but only wounded. And it specifically yeah. says that like our, our wills are not destroyed by the fall. Mm -hmm. Sin has not incapacitated us. We still have an inherent ability to move towards God and yeah. to achieve a knowledge of God by virtue of who we are with our reason. Yeah. And there's just so many scriptures that directly contradict that. And so you, you can point those out. Ephesians 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You could say, um, Romans 3, there's no one who seeks after God, not even one. And at that, from my experience, and again, every Catholic's going to be different. Every person's going to be different. They'll either say, oh, I haven't read that. Like, let me go read it because they, they probably haven't read that before. But then they'll go and find some priest or some authoritative person out there who has given some sort of Catholic interpretation of that. But in there, like, I feel like they're, they're trapping themselves. They're showing that, no, I can't just use the scripture to form any of my arguments. I have to look at how a Catholic can interpret this for me. Mm -hmm. And that's a really, that's a hard thing because it's like, I can't, like, I can't override your, we mm -hmm. just have different authorities at this point. And at that point, we really have to trust the word of God to do the work in yeah, their heart, right? Absolutely. Because faith comes through hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. So really mm -hmm. the best thing that we can do in this is to have someone who embraces Roman Catholic teaching consistently interact with scripture. Yeah. And and we don't want to fall in the, I, I love what you said earlier where you say, we, we don't want to fall into the trap of, well, this Protestant person says this and your priest says this, Yeah. but rather this is what the scripture says and mm -hmm. let's interact with this truth and, and allow the Holy Spirit to use this, this truth in their heart. Yeah. So tell us now just a little bit, what are some things we ought to avoid in conversations? Yeah. What are some things that like give some warning signs? Don't say this to a Catholic or make mm -hmm. sure you say this. Just a couple of really clear things say, you know, just just don't go there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, going off what I said earlier, um, do not, I just would never go up to somebody and immediately say something like you don't believe in salvation by faith alone or just in any sense, like telling them what they believe, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. right? At least right away. Once they communicate their beliefs, then you can say, oh, it, it sounds to me like this is what you believe based on what you're saying. And that's different. But like, I know people who are just like, they really generalize the Catholic beliefs in a way that is not helpful for them because they're not going to take you very seriously if you're coming in like forming their arguments for them. And also for you, because you're going to be blindsided when you find out like, oh, no, that's not actually what I believe. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really important. Um, and I think just, and again, this this kind of expands, expands beyond Catholics, um, but just not coming in some sort of um, like, I don't know what the word is, but just some sort of really authoritative position of mm -hmm. like, you have no idea what you're talking about. You have no idea about the scriptures. Maybe. Yeah, condescending. Um, and just, I mean, again, in any case, when we're talking to anybody, we should be speaking the truth in love and understanding that most Catholics are just very deceived. Mm. And it's not so much that they, most of the time, it's probably not that they've outright rejected Protestant doctrines because they probably haven't even heard of them. Mm. Um, and so being willing to explain from a personal level, you know, this is what the gospel really is. And I want you to understand this because it's so freeing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to highlight that the freedom of salvation by, <clears throat> excuse me, salvation by grace and not by works. Are there any points of like commonality? Because one of the tough things about Roman Catholicism is we do, in fact, have a huge amount of overlap and common ground sure. in yeah. our beliefs. Um, even in just kind of glancing through some prevalent sections of uh, the, the catechism of the Catholic Church, you know, as many times as I'm circling something and saying, man, that's in stark disagreement with Protestant theology, which I think is biblical theology, yeah. I'm finding just as many things as like, 
oh, I believe that. Oh, I agree yeah. with that. You know, there's so many of these things. Are, are there any of those things that you find helpful to appeal to yeah. or things that kind of help build a relationship or some common ground? Certainly. I think it's helpful to lay out those common grounds. I mean, for me, especially with my Catholic friends on campus, I would say we unite over um, like political issues and, you know, different conservative ideas we very much hold to. And that's a great way to sort of build a camaraderie. But at the same time, something else you never want to do is ever communicate the idea that we are the same. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that's like a big thing, especially hard on campus ministry. Like we want to minister to people. We want to get people to come to our Bible studies and we want them to come in and hear the gospel. We, in doing all of that, we, we know it's very clear that we have to, from the beginning, explain that we are not, we don't believe the exact same thing. Mm. Um, and if you think we do, then maybe you're not really Catholic or, <laughs> you know, there's something off. But just to make it clear that this is what the Catholic Church teaches and this is what we believe. Mm. What is, uh, let, let's end this way, Nico. Why don't you kind of reflect for us from your heart some, some ways that you've grown and been encouraged in your faith and in the word through um, either your interactions with Roman Catholics, your Bible studies on a Catholic campus, mm -hmm. like what are some ways that God has really encouraged your heart and you have grown your knowledge of the word, your relationship with God, whatever it would be. What are some, what are kind of some reflections that you can, you can share with us that would encourage perhaps others who, who would be nervous to enter into a relationship like this, they could be encouraged in the same way. Yeah, it's definitely humbled me, certainly, and definitely just increased my re my reliance on the Lord. And also my assurance that um, my beliefs are not solely a result of just the men that I've listened to, but are mm. really from the Word of God, because it's forced me to. Um, like, I remember, especially in my freshman year, when I, I was a new believer coming into Notre Dame, I really was not very knowledgeable about theology, and someone recommended this book, the Greg Allison book, for that purpose. Mm. Um, but I remember... Originally, like some of the conversations I had were um, like convincing, like the Catholic arguments were really convincing. And it's like, man, like what if, what if that's true? And it would, and I had to learn like it's I shouldn't just pretend that those questions aren't there, hmm. and just put them on the side because then that's always going to be some doubt that's just sitting in your mind. I instead realized like no, I have to acknowledge that's a real question, and believe that the Bible has an answer for it. Um, and I think that's where local church involvement became so important too. being surrounded by Catholics so much, like having a place on Sunday to come around like-minded believers was so important. I came to both Pastor Joe and Pastor Ben with a lot of qu questions about Catholicism at the beginning. And um, so just not being afraid to, to question and to allow yourself to study, go back to the scriptures and study what it really says. Like my faith has grown a ton mm. in relying on the scriptures and trusting that God is, has given us a sufficient word to answer all of our questions. Amen. And, uh, would it be great if, if as a result of talk, having these conversations that somebody in our church or somebody listening would step out into an evangelistic relationship and have the courage to trust the scripture and would yeah. find growth and, uh, and, and personal encouragement in that way. So many opportunities here in this particular town with, with, with mm -hmm. all these Catholic churches and, uh, uh, I'd love for us to lift up our eyes and see this particular harvest field. Amen. Yeah. May God give us the grace to do that. Nico, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for joining us, and uh, and I pray that God will use this in a great way in our church family. Yeah.